So hey everybody, welcome to episode 248 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we have Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California, Hello. home of WWDC 2019. Only, what, 12 days to go as we record. Yeah. Yeah, so somebody posted yesterday, it was, it was only iOS 13 days to go. Hmm. So, hmm. I was thinking about that today. Uh, you know, of course, iOS 13 is the next one in line, but a lot of times people will not use... 13 because it's a bad luck number yeah yeah for sure you think apple would do that i, I don't know probably not well, it's an interesting thing or yeah will they just spin off a completely different uh, nomenclature because you're right like in we don't have a 13th floor in our elevator at work right, right. so I, right. I work i technically work on the 15th but i'm really on the 14th floor no yeah 14th floor yeah so that's I, also number four i think is unlucky in china so they don't use four in a lot of things in china I think it's as well. eight isn't it eight in china yeah yeah yeah, yeah i don't know yeah weird things with numbers yeah so we have some fact check uh, this week from last week's show where I was talking about Apple Park uh, construction and I, th- I said it started in 2016. It actually started in 2014 um, and then Mark, you were mentioning that um, they've never really introduced hardware at uh, WWDC and I didn't say anything at the time because I was there when they introduced the 15-inch MacBook Pro. Yeah. Not the touch bar. I, I, I was there I when they did. Never. I said usually. But seldom. Okay. okay, but okay. okay. But so okay. anyway, so I went, to, I, went to the, I went to the Wikipedia and I looked up here and it turned out the MacBook Pro was around announced at WWDC uh, 2009. Mm-hmm. The Mac Pro Intel, uh, you know, the cheese grater running Intel, was announced in WWDC 2006. The iPhone 3G, of course, was announced at WWDC. So it's interesting because 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 uh, the iPhone, the original iPhone was introduced at Macworld, which is where they used to do a lot of hardware announcements, right? And that's probably where you, what, what you're thinking. Yeah. And of course, I was in the room when uh, Steve Jobs infamously meant, uh, introduced the iPhone 4 at WWDC. DC 2010, and that was the year that everybody had those MiFi devices, and they were eating up all the bandwidth in the room. Hmm. And yeah, he he left. St- he had two. He had two machines, two phones. He had one and a backup, and they, he couldn't get them to connect to the internet. So he left the stage and he said to everybody, "Turn off all your, your devices." And he made us all look at our friends and make look at our people sitting next to us. Make sure we all turned off our devices so he could continue with the demo. So and of course hmm. that didn't make it into the video. Um, the MacBook Pro 15, as I said, uh, was introduced at 2012 when I was there, and it, this is when they discontinued the 17 inch with i think you were a power a macbook pro 17 user right mark i was i still have it somewhere yeah i used to, used to call that the cafeteria tray because that's how big it yeah. was yeah and of course the mac pro second generation was announced at 2013 wwdc that's the, the the current one we call trash can or the mini keg as mark likes to call it right mm-hmm. yeah and uh, the last bit of uh fact check was i mentioned the apple t2 uh, of course it is also in the touch bar macbook pro which they introduced last year so mm. i was talking about the t2 being sort of a, uh, the touch-sensitive chip that's going to be in the possibly introduced Mac Pro this year if they introduce something like that. Now, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I will point out that 12 days before does not count as at WWDC for new MacBook Pros. Well, no, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was talking about the, we're waiting, for, we're expecting a Mac Pro. Weren't we expecting a Mac Pro to be announced at WWDC? We talked about it last week, right? Yeah, yeah, but I'm talking about the ones that they announced just yesterday. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. You are yeah. Jumping ahead. Yeah, I, I will, I will I call know. you on that now. Mm-hmm. So, Jaime, do we have ask in, any Ask MTJC? Unfortunately, this week we do not. So, if you want to hear your question, comment, concern, or feedback on the air, 
hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskMTJC. Yeah, the so lines we are open. A free shout out. Yep, lines are open. Uh, yeah. I'm kind of disappointed. Nobody nobody responded to my request for feedback on the Power, uh, not the Power, the, what are they called? The uh, Power Beats Pro. Power Beats Pro, yeah, the headphones. Oh. Oh well. Yeah, and of course we have the, so yeah, so we probably have what uh one two no one episode left before WWC, right? So if, if you want to get any questions in about WWC, now is the time to ask, right? Of us, that is. Alrighty, so let's move to the follow up. So Mark, you actually have something in the follow up. Just a real quick thing I noticed today. Uh I had the five G E uh not icon, but text pop up from uh, you know where LTE normally is on my phone today. Right, which, right. And I was kinda of surprised to see that. I haven't noticed any difference or or improvement in the in the networking speed but uh, for sure it was there i posted a little picture there that we'll put in the show notes yeah so uh, who's your who's your provider oh okay is that the ones that were claiming they would have the 5g or something yeah yeah right there was a so there was a am i thinking about the right thing here when uh is there something about 5g that's going to have like the internet of things working with it and all that kind of stuff like improving speeds is that 5g or am i thinking of something else some other wi-fi technology we talked about about six months ago there was a big uh, push on it. You don't remember? Uh, um, are you talking about Bluetooth 5? Uh, maybe, maybe, yeah, something to do with Bluetooth, maybe. Yeah, this, remember. this is different than Bluetooth. Or IPv6, maybe. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up and I'll put something to follow up and I figure out what the hell I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's just it's just kind of coincidence that the Bluetooth number and the and the cell mm-hmm. number are the same now. Yeah, I don't think it was Bluetooth 5 per se, yeah. but it was some, something something network related that I was mm. talking about. Anywho, um, so the first thing I have here, and there's a couple, there's going to be a bit of a theme here, I think, going through um, the first three links here. But the one, this one is a boycott Apple movement that has started up in China as a result of the U.S. trade dispute. In fact, I think I heard in, in the article, I think they said that some companies are um, suggesting that they will fire employees who use iPhones in hmm. China, as well as you know, uh, whatever. Do you guys have a look at this article at all? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's sort of inevitable, I think, given where things are going, and especially with all the Huawei uh, stuff that's going on uh yeah. you know it's sort of unclear uh whether it's a organic you know uh user driven thing or is it like an official government sponsored thing in china yeah. it's hard to say uh, at this point yeah i think i think on both sides of the fence here i, I mean essentially these these first three points that i've got here is this story about boycotting apple next one i've got is is google suspending some business with a huawei uh, after the blacklist and um i think i heard today oh yeah so this is the third post that i've got here that arm uh, i think arm uh, based out of britain I believe um, has also told their staff to stop working with China with China with uh, with Iway. So the story is here from Reuters and from um, uh, BBC News yep. on that. You guys have a chance to look at any of these or surprised by them at all? Or? Not too surprising. I, I forget. Did we talk last week about the the Huawei uh, blacklisting? I don't recall. Or had um, it happened when we recorded? Had it happened yet? I don't remember. We were talking about. We did talk about um, some of the uh, trade war. Follow- oh, it was the chargers we were talking about last week. Right, yeah. right, right. So this had, this might not have happened. So basically, I mean, what what happened was uh, the the U.S. government put Huawei on what they call the entity list, uh, which oh, yeah. is which is a list of companies that are not allowed. Well, U.S. companies are not allowed to export certain parts to those companies uh, because there's a feeling that those the foreign companies are using them for um, for reasons that may violate you know security or defense or whatever issues. Uh, and and so Huawei was put on that list. This this uh, uh, this week, uh, so basically, they're they're not allowed to use any American-made electronic parts anymore, which is which is kind of a huge thing.
interesting because they are a, <laughs> an electronics company. They make phones and, and whatnot. Uh, and if they can't use American-made or American-designed chips or, or components or things like that, that could potentially impact their business pretty hugely. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big deal because they're, they're one of the, maybe even the biggest Chinese uh, electronics companies. But isn't there also the danger that they'll go somewhere else and, and, and get lose the taste for using American technology? I mean, well, but America, where, but where do you get it? You know, this, well, is TSMC stuff. and all that kind of stuff? Where they, where they, where well, so T- TSMC is in Taiwan, uh, and yeah. they, but they, and they manufacture the parts, but they don't, for the most part, they don't design the parts for the most part. They do a little bit, but, but, right, uh, right. but they're, they're a foundry business. So they're, they're purely, almost purely manufacturing. So, so if a company like, you know, Qualcomm makes a chip or, or, um, you know, TI or any, any of these companies makes a chip, uh, that, that Huawei uses, like a, say, let's say a power management chip that they use in their, in their phone, uh, then all of a sudden they don't have access to that chip anymore. Well, where do they, where do they get it? They, they can't get it. And so they can't sell the product anymore. So it's kind of a big deal. So it's sort of yeah. no, no surprise that, uh, that China would retaliate in some way. And so I suspect the boycott Apple business is somehow tied into that, even though it's, you know, it's looking like it's just a, 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 a grassroots thing. And, and, and actually maybe it is, I, I have no idea, but, but I wouldn't be surprised if it were somewhat government sanctioned. So it does say that in, in the second article here on the ARM uh, story that uh, Huawei has been planning on building their own OS and, and possibly even designing their own stuff for a while. So that's what I mean. Like, like don't they become like the, the James Bond villain company in the future, you know, making their own stuff and going rogue. And I mean, the concern about, I mean, the rumor mill is, you know, saying that Huawei is going to put spying technology into their products. Right. Um, and that's why the Ameri- uh, one of the, the reasons, I guess one of the reasons why Americans are concerned about it. I mean, I know there was that story a couple of years ago about Chinese technology in the data centers that Apple uses, right? The network cards and we're concerned that, that yeah. there were some chips being installed on those. That was, I think that was a Bloomberg rumor or something like that, but um, I think that was last year, right? But so, but if Huawei starts, doesn't go, come through the American stuff, I mean, isn't the fact that they're still a big, pretty big player in the, in the Android market going to be, they'll, they'll be out there anyway? Well, they, they would, if they make their own OS, yeah, they'll pull out of the Android market, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how does that affect Google? I don't know. Um, yeah, they don't, Google doesn't, I don't think makes a lot of money on, on Android per se. It's, it's just all on, you know, ads and search of, on, on those phones. Uh, right. So I, I don't know how much it would impact Google. But it's, you know, it's easy to say, we're, yeah, we're going to make our own OS and we're going to make our own chips and all that. Uh, whether whether it, uh, whether they actually can, are capable of doing that in a in a meaningful time frame is a good question. I mean, it might take... Well, they five, say they've been working on it for a while, right? This, this, it's not like a new idea that, or a knee-jerk reaction here, right? So Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's possible. What do you think, Hami? Yeah, it'll be tricky for them because Samsung has been trying to do the same thing with Tizen for, oof, what is it? Many years now. I, I think it's at least seven or eight years know and you know they've had limited success predominantly with their galaxy watches and maybe some other uh, more embedded style devices i would guess if their new operating system is going to come out from huawei it has to be um aosp based the oof, what does it stand for android open source program, I think. Basically, the, the parts of Android that are open source and not specifically tied to the Google Play services, which honestly is where most of the value comes from nowadays, as Google has drawn everything and pulled it back into Google Play services. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the notable exception to this is sort of the exception that proves the rule, and that's Amazon's Fire OS, which is their own fork uh, flavor of Android. Right. So it's, it's, what it's do you think about this whole trade war stuff in general between like getting parts, making parts, sourcing parts? It's, it's crazy. 
you like the, the way that that sort of impact happens because I'm not sure which specific blacklist Huawei's on, but it's presumably the same kind that says you can't, at least from a U.S. perspective, you can't trade with like Iran and North Korea, you know, that sort of thing. And so it's it, non-trivial, I think, for Huawei to try to deal with us because they, uh, you know, they lose access to American market, which is going to be tough, uh, even though, you know, China and other areas around the world that are developing are, are big. Um, and it has follow-on effects because it's not simply can't do trade. It's like, oh, wait, uh, who has this technology? Who owns this? We, we saw this uh, sort of battle going on between Apple and Qualcomm, right? Where like one company has a monopoly on this particular technology and the other competitor, in this case, Intel, for that sort of thing was really second rate. And, and I think people look down upon what it was to the point where mm-hmm. Intel is no longer in that particular market anymore. Right, so it's right. not like, ah, just go back to, you know, just go across the street and get to a different vendor of this tech. It's like, no, you can't. Like the, these patents and everything have made it like a very difficult stronghold for some of these things. And um, I didn't realize that uh, that Huawei getting on this blacklist would cause all these other knock-on effects like ARM and, and Google's uh, Android. Like that was hmm. not as clear to me. as like, oh, okay, they can't sell to like American carriers. They can't sell to the American government and other things. But uh, having it be that is like, oh, holy smokes, this is this is a real serious economic impact here. All right. Um, the next piece that's kind of interesting for me, specifically in the reason I bought my iPhone Series 4 watch, is that uh, Canada has now approved, or Health Canada has now approved the um, Apple Watch EKG or ECG, as they say in the States, uh, capability. Um, it is dependent on an iOS upgrade or OS upgrade to 5.1.2, which I believe I think I installed yesterday. Let me just double check my watch here. Probably 521, which looks available. Yeah, I have 521 on my watch right now. Um, But I I don't know. I don't even know how to work it. Do you guys even know how to make, how to, how to, I know you touched the digital crown, but how do you get to the EKG feature function? Any any thoughts? I don't have a Series 4, so I can't help you there. Oh, yeah. I guess Mark doesn't either, right? Nope. No watch for Mark. Well, maybe I'll I'll play around with it while we're on the the call here today and and let you know if I figure it out and we'll, I'll burst into action later on. But yeah, that's pretty cool. That, that can. Canada is getting it uh, now, and I believe I just was reading that in March. No, sorry, it was five more countries. Five more European European countries will be getting this as well. So what they are, let's click on the link and see if it says anything. Uh, Croatia, Czech Republic, Iceland, Poland, and Slovakia. Um, so uh, this is a story from Federico, Federico Vitici, uh, I believe. Yes, uh, he has been using, and I was reading this uh, earlier today on, on Transit. Uh, he's been using, been trying to use the iPad as his main computer since 2012, uh, and so this is a, I guess, a sort of an annual follow-up on on where he is with the with the iPad as his main computer, not his only computer, but but uh, you know he's uh, when he's at the doctor's office and he was in he was hospitalized for a little bit last I think or last few years, um, talking about how he has been using the iPad and the tools like the apps that he's been using over time to do that Ulysses Agenda things, Keep It AI Writer, Pixelmator Pro, Pixelmator Photo. Uh, and of course, shortcuts and workflow, which was which is now shortcuts. Um, and sort of, it's interesting because he talks about trying to figure out how to make the iPad work in each iteration of iOS over the time period. So yeah, uh, interesting, interesting read. Um, like I said, I think we've mentioned him before, uh, or this specific specific um, function of his life where he's trying to use the iPad as his main computer uh, over the years. And uh, yeah, so here we are. Um, he started this. He's talking about his website, which is what is it? MacStories.net. 
that, which is now 10 years old. So I've been at this for a while. So there you go. Any thoughts on that? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, it's like, you got to tip your hat. I think, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I just live a, a different lesson. That's not to say that's anything about this one. Like, um, I guess spoilers for the rest of this episode or later in this episode, I'm looking to upgrade my MacBook pro because I still find it to be very useful in, in, in many ways, a lot easier to do things that are really specific to it. Like, you know, developing code and you know, recording this very podcast on, um, but it would be hard for me to, to intentionally give this up in favor of the iPad, which mm-hmm. isn't to slight the iPad. I use the iPad every day. And in fact, I don't even use my MacBook pro every day. So it, it's clearly got a, a, you know, usage standpoint. The iPad is higher for me, but more in a consumption sort of way. So the, um, the idea of using the iPad as my main primary computing device is, it would be difficult. And I can see, and I've semi followed along over the years with, uh, Federico Fedici as he's gone through this exercise. And I, again, I tip my head like, oh, wow, you've like, you've found secret pro techniques to deal with this. But uh, I, I couldn't do that personally, but that's for my usage. Right. And I'm, I'm actually fortunate enough that I can have an iPhone and an iPad and a MacBook Pro to cover all the aspects of my computing life. Right. It's interesting. I was thinking about this when I was reading this earlier today that I do do, I personally do a lot of work on my iPhone. Right? Like uh, I was actually doing some Photoshop stuff now that I discovered that I've got this Photoshop Express on my phone. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm constantly updating the notes on the for the podcast, and I'm you know write things. I, I write uh, um, note I'm constantly using Notes app. I do I do some of my article writing on my iPad, um, usually in the Notes app as well. But but or Pages. I've done Pages. I've done Keynote. I've worked on presentations and stuff like that. Um, I wouldn't say it's my primary one, but I, I don't carry my computer back and forth to the office, so I don't carry an iPad back and forth to the office. But you know, I, I have my phone with me, so I do spend a lot of time in iOS. And, you know, so I could, I could see how you could make this your primary device. And of course, you know, my one thing was for me is Photoshop uh, coming to the iPad will make a big difference for me. But also uh, if I had a coding tool like Xcode or something like that would be great, you know, um, and who knows? I mean, we, we, we've been wishing for that on the iPad for a long time, right? But uh, yeah, remains to be seen. Cool. So that's, uh, that's it on the iPad. So I actually have a couple of things on the WTFU section this week. <laughs> uh, one of them um, is that uh, Instagram influencers have had their data scraped and exposed uh, again by another database left on AWS with no password protecting it. And this is, this one was owned by Chatterbox. Um, they pay uh, influencers to, you know, to to promote products and things like that. And so they, they somehow they had set up a uh, database of users. And of course, they left this uh, wide open on AWS for people to trip across, right? So a security researcher found it and uh, mentioned it to somebody, right? So again, we're leaving our stuff out there in the wide wide open. So you know, this is another massive database of millions of Instagram users, influencers, celebrities, and brand accounts that have been found online. Not good. This one was hard to tease apart because of the way the article was written. Um, the first thing is that the database hosted by AWS, that was not important, really. Mm-hmm. Like it could have mm-hmm. just as easily been Dropbox or Jimmy's, you know, free FTP server that's sitting down in his grandma's basement. Um, it wasn't like AWS itself was hacked. This was clearly somebody... Uh, from Chatterbox, allegedly, had mm-hmm. uh, just left this thing out there, you know, on Amazon S3 is, is almost certainly what it was left on, right? It's an easy uh, file sharing type of thing that they probably were using for, uh, you know, sharing with their marketing team or something. So that was a little confusing and had to tease apart whether AWS was like actually involved in any way versus like being the mechanism. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, like this person hired an assassin using AT&T and like, okay, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> like, what, what was the, what was the reason to bring AT&T and throw them under the bus for, right? Um, the, the more important thing is actually buried in the lead here, which was they contacted several people whose information was in the database mm-hmm. and, uh, chatted with them about it. And it turns out neither of them had involvement with Chatterbox. So that's the key thing. Cause now it points towards what the heck is going on with Instagram where people scraping in some way. Was there some sort of vulnerability out there that Chatterbox was using to try to do uh, market analysis of which celebrities and which Instagram influencers should they target to try to approach and say, hey, you know, we sure would love to give you bags of cash to peddle our products. I, I don't know. It- it- it's hard to tell from the way this article is written. But in either case, the buried the lead part of neither had involvement with Chatterbox is really scary because it makes me wonder if my information is in this database. Mm, yeah, <laughs> that's true. I wonder. You are an influencer after all, right? Oh, <laughs> no, but, but it's funny that you say that, like as a, as a 30 second segue, there was this one tweet, uh, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. it darn near destroyed my life, Tim. Like you have no idea was that back big one? on, on May 5th, maybe I'll throw this in the show notes for, yeah. for giggles here on May 5th, I tweeted, it wasn't even really my content. So I feel really weird. Uh, I put, you know, software developer interviews in a nutshell mm-hmm. and I had put a little screenshot of something I found pretty interesting from the founder and CEO at Facet, Mr. Robert Sweeney, talking about how he uh, interviewed a person at Netflix, decided, uh, this person's not senior enough. And oops, spoilers, that person went on to co-found Amazon Prime Air, their drone delivery service, and was number two on Fast Company's most creative people list. Mm-hmm. As of this recording, that tweet has impressions are 275,076. And little old me, silly old me, non-influencer me, used to have notifications on for every time somebody liked or retweeted my content. Oh, right. Okay. Not anymore because this was just driving me mad during the, the next coming weeks and was draining my battery to where, you know, I normally go to bed, um, with my phone at a hundred percent charged. And I woke up in the morning. I was like, Oh my God, it's at 63% because it's been buzzing all night. So I'm definitely not an influencer, Tim, but, uh, I do play one on TV apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that was interesting. Interesting exercise to capitalize. Well, I guess you did. You did promote the podcast on there. Well, there wasn't there wasn't much of a bump from your uh, that we've that we've seen so far, I should say. So, uh, the next story here on the, it's still under the WTFU um, WTFU uh, is uh, a tweet from uh, Ben Standowski, I believe that uh, he's noted that um, there's been a, a decline in people accepting jobs at Facebook in the last year. So it was around ninety percent of the people who, had, who were approached by Facebook in 2016 were, were accepting jobs. It's down to almost fifty percent in. 2019, early 2019. So yeah, so I guess people, and there's an article here linked that uh, Facebook is having trouble hiring developers ever since the Cambridge Analytica scandal, you know, and we've been talking about that on the show in the past. I'm, I'm kind of curious about this because it is, so I'm not a recruiter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and clearly like if they were at 90% rates for when they make an offer to people accepting an offer mm-hmm. um, and went down to 50%, I mean, clearly that's a big drop, but you know, if there's anybody out there, you know, hit us up, hashtag ask MTJC, what are typical job acceptance rates anyways? Like I, I don't believe it's 50%, at least, mm-hmm. you know, in, in my well, you think it's lower? Uh, I think it's way lower than, than yeah. 50% of like you make an offer and people accept. Uh, that may not be true in, in, in other industries, but I think certainly in in tech and in the areas of the country that Facebook tends to hire to, mm-hmm. I'd be shocked if it was as high as 50%. I think it's pretty common for candidates to have, you know, two or three offers in hand. Not everybody, and you know, it will vary, you know, your your kilometerage will vary, uh, as we like 
to say, <laughs> but I, but I, I don't think it's like a one to one. Like, holy smokes, people are like ninety percent, fifty percent. I think it's, I don't know, one in three is probably what I would guess. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm again, I'm not a recruiter. I guess it's an interesting number. I guess when you look at it that way. So uh, you've got something here. Oh, this is your interview thing that you were talking about, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Feel well, free to retweet it because I won't know anymore. So. <laughs> You can't hurt me anymore. <laughs> oh, because you turned your notifications off? I turned my notifications off for that. Thankfully, Twitter's um, main iOS app, for all its flaws, is actually really nice in terms of the granularity with which you can tune. Oh, so you can, you can say just silence this tweet or silence the notifications on this one? or uh, For, well, uh, maybe. I didn't go as far to see if I could silence it for that tweet specifically, mm. but I silenced it from likes and retweets. So now I just go into my mentions every once in a while and see out of curiosity where this like particular animal you have to go so. check it yourself manually manually like an animal but that's because <laughs> it had become you're too famous abusive. yes too too famous with this content that wasn't even mine it was me being snarky about somebody yeah. else's in line with their content so it wasn't about them but i'm like wow this this tim this i'm i'm officially a thought leader with a capital t and l where i have produced absolutely nothing and taken yeah. all the glory that, so, that is so yeah i kind of wonder life. what this guy thinks about you stealing his thunder and and i wonder what how many any mentions he gets, right? Or tweets or, or likes or whatever. It's interesting. Very indirect because this was something I was looking at in the rare times that I do look at the LinkedIn news feed. Kind of wonder about that sort of analytics. Um, and it was a screenshot of stuff that I saw on there. So it wasn't a retweet of his stuff. So I apologize. Wow. I kept his name and everything in there. So, you know, he'd get some attribution, <laughs> but I, I just thought, oh, this is him yelling into the void, like as he tends to do early in the mornings. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the void stared back at me in this one. Well, didn't we talk about those copycat Instagram people who would try and they would, they were, they would be found to, somebody would have a successful travel tweet or whatever. And they, these copycats would actually go to the same place that the person took the original photo and, you know, dress up the model in the same outfit that the other person was, had on and, and publish that to Instagram. Trying to copycat the the success, the internet like likes and things. Was it, it was Sarush was talking about that in in his keynote for WWDC? Was it last year or two years ago? For like three sixty iDev or something, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was talking about the copycat um, kind of Instagram fame people trying to, trying to copycat a, a success. So maybe somebody will copy your tweet and try and get as famous as you are. Yeah, we'll just turn this into a whole Inception <laughs> thing. If you also want to be a thought leader, quote and don't unquote, forget the hashtag #AskMTJC, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You take a screenshot <laughs> and crop it so you can still see my face and the original guy's face and let's see if you can t- beat the uh, 275k challenge yeah there you go there's the gauntlet has been dropped and, and while you're at it let us know how you feel about the uh, power beats pro uh, headphones earphones earbuds <laughs> um all right so the, our main story here today is that uh, and this is actually yesterday i believe right that apple has 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 in fact introduced a new 13 inch and 15 inch mac pro, mac pro model with new intel chips and enhanced butterfly keyboard i want to make sure that it's very clear this has an enhanced butterfly keyboard. What do you guys have to say about that? The Mac in, in general, I mean. Mark, you want to give one? Um, I don't have too much to say. <laughs> you know, they do this every year, and it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not sure what to say. Uh, so I'm pleased that they are continuing to refine and try to address the issues with the butterfly keyboard. I remain a bit skeptical until I see them pull one out of a literal sandbox on stage uh, somewhere and see it work. Oh, but, literal sandbox. Oh, I get it. Uh-huh. Literal sandbox, like the kinds that kids would play in in the schoolyard. Um, that sort of one would, would a be... Would regular keyboard survive that? Survive that? I have no idea, but I think it 
it's like the same sort of extreme where they had Phil Schiller like jump off you know, the, oh, the, the yeah, high yeah, area yeah. to show yeah. like you know this like dramatic moment. I'm like I want that sort of dramatic moment of like look, see, it still works. You you can bury it in the beach with, with grandma and grandpa, right? Like wasn't he you know, have fun with the kids and build your sandcastles? Wasn't he demoing Wi-Fi or something like that? He was connected to Wi-Fi when he jumped. He was still connected or something like that. I I, I think it was something like that, but it, it it's also got me sort of a little bit nervous that like well i hope this isn't the only update because i was really looking forward to the fall to buy a brand spanking new macbook pro with in you know animating adamantium laced keyboard that cannot falter any any other circumstances um and, and the the keyboard issues overblown or not have clearly impacted my purchasing decision so i'm, I'm writing this 2012 macbook pro into the ground yeah. until i see well, something that i'm like all right it seems like that's that's pretty safe well for those of you driving at home we're talking about the it's a 400 megahertz six core i7 9750 CPU with turbo boost, uh, turbo boost up to 4.5 gigahertz. That's the base one. There's also an eight core i9 uh, and a custom eight core i9 that's overclocked to five gigahertz. Intended to be muscle books, they're calling them here in this article. So yeah, just a f- bells and whistles, you know. Oh, what do they got here? Uh, 220 p- p- pixel per inch uh, screens, you know, 280, 2880 by 1800 screens, um, P3 color gamut. 500 nits of brightness. I don't know what that means. 500 calend- candles. I don't know. Um, True tone display technology. You know, Radeon Pro 560X or Vega 20 graphics cards with 4 gigs of memory. 16 or 32 gigs. Um, and they're available in 5, 12 gig, 1, one 2, or 4 terabyte SSD drives. There you go. Lots of horsepower in a laptop that you can open with your, your fingerprint. Yeah. So I, there's, there's nothing in here about the uh, actual, what the enhancing of the keyboard has done for us. I don't know if it was this article i saw another article that said that it was a different material inside for the the keyboard and i kind of got the impression it was the switch mechanism itself that was different um and not like the membrane that we've talked about in in past episodes so i don't know if that means it's like a stronger mechanism like just you know grind dust into atoms i don't know smaller smaller dust like a like a walnut cracker mm-hmm. well it's new and improved um so becky hensmeyer is back again this week uh with another article she's put together her developer uh, her wwdc 2019 developer wish list and keynote predictions and there's been a few articles are floating around for um predictions for things that people want a couple of things that she's looking for here in her ui kit updates are um ways to do multi-column layouts it doesn't involve nesting split view controllers um you know a standard system color picker, standard font picker, um, visual design improvements, um, using dark mode, of course, in, in apps, because that's one of the predictions about dark mode coming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on the um, Xcode improvements, looking for changes in uh, improvements in interface builder, um, progress bars. Yeah, that would be nice to see progress bars in in, um, in, the, in code. Um, hmm, yeah. So I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at any of these predictions or no ideas. Yeah, I, I looked at them, and, and uh, yeah, there's, there's some interesting stuff in there i i don't expect to see uh things like uh quote every visual customization that is possible for a ui component should be editable in interface builder this includes layer customizations like corner radius border and drop shadow you know if they haven't done that in the past 10 years chances are they're not going to do it this year but it'd right, be nice right, to yeah. have it well it makes it more like an illustrative program i think in that case right yeah which is, I mean, which is it, not it, what it is kind of silly that those things aren't available in Xcode, oh, yeah. uh, mm. but but like i said they haven't done it in 10 years so unlikely but yeah there's some interesting things 
here. Uh, I, you know, I see, I see these things as more sort of her personal wish list as, as opposed to real, real predictions of what's going to happen. Well, have you guys seen any more on any other predictions that are coming out in, or people are expecting to see or hoping to see? The one that I, I don't know if it was a, a feverish dream that, that made this, uh, made this up. That I'm being quite honest. Like I literally cannot find the source and granted, like I am very bad with this habit of as soon as I wake up, checking my phone to see what's going on with the world sort of thing. And I could have sworn I saw some headline somewhere and clearly did not save it. Otherwise I'd bring it to the forefront where somebody like a Guillermo Rambo had said, Oh, or, or a Steve Troughton Smith had found like, Oh, I think I found evidence of serverless functions hosted on cloud kit. And I literally cannot find that information anywhere on the interwebs today. Otherwise I would have had it as a, as a note item today. But that, that right there is the, Ooh, that's a shiny that I definitely want to play with. And subtly leads into the, um, if you're going to have HomePod turn you into a $2 trillion company, <laughs> serverless functions on CloudKit certainly seem like at least throwing a pebble in that direction. All right. Well, let's move on. What's your, what's your next post here, honey? This one is a post by uh, Mr. Paul Hudson of Hacking with Swift about what is new in Swift 5.1. There's a whole bunch of stuff here. It's actually pretty nice. Did we, really didn't do... we cover this already? I thought we covered Swift 5. Oh, okay. This is 5.1. Okay. This is 5.1. See, see, see this. I thought the same thing. It's moving quickly. Yeah. It was like, oh, <laughs> what could possibly be new in a post ABI stability world? It's going to be boring and, mm. and, and, and moving at a snail's pace like Java, right? Like, what is going on in that it's world? It's going to work now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, no, there's actually really nice improvement stuff. Like, for example, improved synthesized member wise initializers. What does that mean? If you've created a struct and you tried to give something a default value and it got very grumpy at you, you're like, oh, this thing doesn't have any default initializers. It's like, dude, I want, I wanted this thing to have this default value. Why can't I just do that? Well, now you can. I think it's pretty nice. There's bigger things. I'm not going to go through all of them. The one I'm still trying to wrap my head around is, I'd say go take a look. Uh, We'll have this in the show notes for those of you driving at home. The opaque return Mm. types. Mm -hmm. Did you guys read this? Yeah. Yeah. It looks like this is going to finally solve that issue of, of uh, you can't, you can't check uh, equality of, of two things that conform to the same protocol because it doesn't know if they're the same actual type under the hood. They just conform to the same protocol and they were passed in some function that way. So somehow, it, I was reading this myself and and somehow uh, the compiler is going to know uh, what the actual type returned by some function or property is going to be just by you saying instead of returning, say, an equatable, you say it returns keyword sum equatable. And mm-hmm. then I guess the compiler keeps track of what the actual type returned is. Uh, and then if you have two uh, two results of running that same function, it, since it's keeping track of what the type is, you'll be able to equate those things. It's kind of a nice thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really hard to wrap around because I thought, isn't this just generics? And then read through the examples and, and rethought about it. And I think the kicker is like the real uh, bottom of that particular section says, if you want callers to be able to select the data type, then mm-hmm. generics work well. But if you want the function to decide the return type, then you're going to want the opaque type with the new sum keyword there. Yeah, I seem to remember reading something from him a couple of, like a week or so ago about opaque types, just a specific article on that. So I'll see if I can find it. Yeah. Um, what was the other thing I saw? I'm Ooh. not sure exactly why they're called opaque types. Hmm. Well, I guess, I guess okay. It's, it's, it's the it's, caller can't see what it is, right? It's, it's opaque to the caller instead of like the generic where the function doesn't know what it is. It just knows right. it's some generic thing. So that, that's 
that's what tripped me up. It's like the the inverse of the arctan of of generics is what it seems like. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I definitely need to try this out myself and see like, okay, we have this capability. Now what do I do with it? Where does it fit into the toolbox? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But I do know what immediately goes into the toolbox, and that is ordered collection diffing, where you can take <laughs> two collections and say, yo, just just give me the difference and be told what the, the things there that were removed and the things that were inserted. Mm-hmm. I think that's generally very useful. And that's pretty nice. Mr. Hudson points out, oh, by the way, uh, if you got table view or collection view batch updates, hint, hint, this might be a really nice way to do that. Yeah, yeah. And and more to come. Um, I'm kind of curious on the uninitialized arrays. I, I didn't get that one. You have to reread that one. But yeah, lots more than, than we've described here. I just sort of picked my, my own personal highlights from this. Cool. All right. Mm-hmm. I guess that brings us to the picks portion of the show, right? Are we there yet? So, Jaime, do you have a pick this week? I do. It's a blog post by Vidit Bargava, who has a post called Designing a Dark Theme for OLED iPhones. And I think it's pretty interesting because it it actually starts out with something I didn't realize was going to happen, something called Mm -hmm. black smearing. And and you will have to view this on your your device that has an OLED screen, like, for example, my iPhone 10. And he's got two animations uh, with, like, uh, a lighter square inside of a darker square going, just animating up and down. And as I'm looking at this on my uh, my Dell monitor, I'm like, what's the big deal? And then you look at it on your iPhone, which has an OLED screen, you say, oh God, mm-hmm. it looks like this thing is a wiggling bowl of jello. <laughs> what's happening there? And that's the OLED smearing that happens with uh, um, certain rich, dark colors. And he proposes some other considerations you might want to have when you're designing for dark mode, because that seems to be something we'll probably end up doing post-WWDC. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the um, impact of the specific dark colors. So the general rule here is like, don't choose pure black because one, you get most of the vast majority of the power savings from OLED screens with something that doesn't even come close to black and or pure black. And there's also legibility issues regarding, you know, pure white text on pure black background. And you can choose lighter grays and darker grays and get a much nicer, uh, more legible effect that will have still the, um, the power savings and avoids the black smearing that I'm talking about. So this scale he's got here from zero to 20, what's, what's that demonstrating? Like the worse when the higher up it goes or? Uh, a grayscale value of five where zero is black and 255 is white is just black enough to look like black to the human eye, but gray enough to stop black smearing. It doesn't oh, look see. that, it doesn't look that differentiable on my, uh, my monitor here, but I bet yeah. on my phone it would look. I'm looking at my phone right now. A little bit more obvious. Hmm. Do you see the little effect where like the, the different color that he has chosen to avoid the black smearing looks the way you would expect where the two squares stay? in sync yeah, yeah. and then the it's, first one's like, like the white one the, the black the gray square around the white the lighter square is squishing up and down right yeah it looks like like a wobbly cube it looks worse, it looks worse in the tweet that he tweet example he's got from mark edwards there so above above this this chart there's a there's a tweet picture he's got there right the, right the video that one looks really weird <laughs> on the phone that is on the organic led as i've heard it pronounced too yeah interesting stuff so for me uh i have a couple of picks here one one is a quick one and it's Keeping up with our WWDC uh, theme is uh, Paul Hudson has also on his Hacking with Swift put a Hacking with Swift tw- uh, WWDC 19 quiz. And it's got a bunch of uh, multiple choice questions on testing your, your knowledge of 
WWDC over the years um, with various logos and dates and asking questions like, you know, uh, which of these had not delivered a, a session at WWDC, J.J. Abrams, Steven Spielberg, Michelle Obama, or Bill Nye, um, you know, and uh, those kind of questions. I think I got a pretty good score on the quiz. Um, but how I found this quiz, so I've got the, the link to the quiz in, in the show notes, but how I found the quiz was Paul published an app um, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, called uh, Unwrapped or Unwrap. And it was actually called Unwrap Learning Swift on iOS. And uh, it's a an app that quizzes you on your knowledge of Swift in general. And uh, it gets increasingly harder as you go through the, the quiz. Uh, it's a great way to sort of learn and sort of tool up and test yourself if you're inter- inter- interested in finding out right, how your, your Swift knowledge rates. Um, but what's interesting, again, about this is that uh, the first version 1.0 got through the app store. The second one is kind of stuck in review because somebody noticed that he used the word Swift in the name of the app and they're not Apple's not happy about that. So he's trying to figure out how to rename the app right now. He's got a couple of Twitter polls out there. But uh, so the Unwrapped uh, app is pretty interesting if you're interested, if you're curious about testing your knowledge of Swift. And of course, you can brush up on your knowledge of Swift by checking out Hacking with Swift articles, as we mentioned above. So that's my two picks for today, WWDC Quiz and the Unwrap app. Yet to be named. I don't know what it's going to be called right now, but it, it's probably still available on the App Store. I'll, have, I'll find a link and put it on their show notes for peoples. All right. So I guess that's it for another week. Uh, Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you on the interwebs, where would they do that? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you? Mark R at smapsoft.com. All righty. Yep. And I guess uh, until next week, uh, my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. On the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. I will be at WWDC this year for 2019 in San Jose. So if you're around, come and say hi. I might give you a pin, a lapel pin. Who knows? Um, and uh, we might try and do a, a quick meetup uh, at some point. Um, I'm not sure if uh, our other Canadian friend will be around uh, at that week, but who knows? And maybe Mark might be able to make it if we plan our play our cards right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Uh, so until next week, we'll say bye bye. Bye bye. This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find out details on how to help us out on the website, mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Now stick around for the after show, and thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. I was just about to ask you guys. I got 12 out of 15. Got let, me, let, me, let me send I got a couple of logos mixed up. Yeah. I, I think I got like something like, yeah. I got the minimum age for the scholarship wrong. Yeah. I guess, I guess nine because I've seen like really little kids there, but I guess the official age is. Yeah. Must- Seems to be the official age for anything you enter hmm. um, for for that kind of stuff. I'm just trying to see my because I, I did it about a week ago, so I think I tweeted out my results. Let me just see if I could find it. Right, because I mean I could do it again, but I, I know I know the answers now that I've done the, the test. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I got WWDC 17 wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, As did I.
I got the WWDC 2010 wrong, mm-hmm. and I got the WWDC scholarships wrong. Overall, I'm not doing too bad. It wasn't it wasn't fair. I was like, dude, I was at 15. I know which one it was. <laughs> yeah, believe me, I know which one. Yeah, let's see. What did I get wrong? I got yeah, I, I got, got 2010 wrong. I got uh, oh the the lottery one wrong. I guess 2012. I got the how many scholarships are there? I got that wrong. Yeah, I got 13 out of 15, and I just found my results from the other day when I tweeted out about it mm-hmm. on the 9th of May. See, there was personal history for the lottery. I knew it had to be 20 because 20 is when I had the like oh my god I can't believe this experience when I had the ticket in the checkout and could mm. not check out mm, mm, mm. because what, what year was that uh, that was 20 that was the last yeah. year that they yeah. had the everybody just scramble yeah. to uh, and I think at that point it was like oh at this specific point in time day and time come scramble and let's see if we can handle the scale of all of these people yeah. and yeah. nope it turns out the thundering herd won that day I, I should apologize I hadn't I didn't have it in the checkout because if I had they would have given me a ticket instead I was logged in or at least I think I was logged in as somebody mm-hmm. else which scared me oh. <laughs> I logged out like a dummy mm. and oh man and I never got back in and it's like oh all tickets are yeah. gone I was like no how <laughs> this be i tried yeah. so hard yeah i got a ticket that that year too same thing happened to me it was uh, actually me and a buddy were in my kitchen both trying to get in at the same time and uh we both ended up getting bounced uh but they called us back and, and we got a ticket that was 20 for sure yeah interesting and then 20 because that was was the question first year of the what is the first year of the uh spoilers for people trying to do the test of course we just gave away one of the answers right yeah i got the one about uh 26 wwc 2016 wrong i think and i got i think i got the scholarship question but i got 13 out of 15 and i should know about the logos because i i copy the logos every year before our uh wwc episode (laughs) (laughs) that's of course out of admiration for the fine artwork right i have to admit had there been a different option on the wwc last held in san Francisco, I would have gotten it wrong mm-hmm. because I thought, oh, clearly this is, must be like the second year, right? I know it's not the first, but I didn't realize it had gone this far along. This is the third, this one? This year will be the third, yes. Yeah, surprised me. Yeah, been, uh, it's been five years since I was at WWDC, surprisingly. Wow. Yeah, I went for five years in a row and then nothing, nothing for five years. Pretty sad. What are you going to be doing that week, Jaime? That week, <laughs> I think probably just on the interwebs <laughs> mm-hmm. with all the other iOS folks, you know, my teammates uh, at work. But also, you know, I'll have Twitter on hand uh, to yeah. add commentary or yeah. surprise or snark, depending what happens. For sure, for sure. All right. Well, I guess that's it. We'll uh, say good night, Gracie. All right. All righty. Good night, Gracie. <laughs> Talk to you guys next time. <laughs> bye. All right. All right bye. bye.